Hi, everyone. Welcome to SACSA's new podcast, To Practice, a practitioner skill building process for the field from two folks who don't know it all, but have and will continue to think a lot about it. Hi, everybody. My name is Miles Surratt. I am an Associate Vice President of Student Affairs working at James Madison University here in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. And my name is Kate Radford. I serve as the Director of Leadership Education and Development at Clemson University. And just to catch you up a bit, in case you have missed our first two episodes, Miles and I used to work together at Clemson, and our office at the time was about half graduate students. Through the years, we reflected a lot on the training provided to our amazing graduate students and our responsibility to serve as the host for the practical skill development of the students in our office. This podcast is born of that realization. Since that time, we've spent a ton of time thinking through the practical skills necessary to thrive in student affairs. This podcast is to share those reflections, continue to hone our own skills as practitioners, and offer a chance for us to intentionally sit down together and stay in conversation. We will do this via a grouping of seasons that will each be based around a specific skill. So this go around, we are working through supervision. All right, so Kate, let's get to what people came here for. People really want to know what is happening in the Half Mile Lake Facebook group this week. I really hate to disappoint, I do, but it's been a pretty quiet week on the Half Mile Lake Facebook. Um, something is going on with our, um, I don't hope they won't sue me, but Spectrum, um, they have really had some outage problems. So I'm sorry to put that on the internet, but it's true. A um, lot of people then coming around with some internet sales pitches behind those outages saying like, well, if you switch to what I use, you wouldn't have an outage right now, which is kind of funny to me. Um, and I don't know if it's the weather, we're warming up. I was in my backyard yesterday, lots of bugs. And we've, I've seen a lot of people posting for some recommendations on pest control, but honestly, pretty quiet week, not much going on. I hope to have a really exciting update next time. Um, do you find it ironic that you um, were talking about power out about internet outages, but you said not to put that out there on the internet? You couldn't even at your house, it seems like. <laughs> You're right, I couldn't. Thank goodness I'm in the office because... Yeah, I would not be coming to you if I, uh, if I was at home. No internet. Day after day. Not a single slice of internet. Well, <laughs> we also plan to uh, incorporate an idea of our mutual friend, Erica Lee, here. Um, and the idea is this. You can write and share a shout out for a student affairs friend, and we'll read it in this section. And um, aligning with how we think about social justice in our work, we would ask that you would make a donation to an agency uh, working on the many, many ways that our society can become more just. Kate and I are also making donations for each shout out. Um, and I've got one for you, Kate. Are you ready for the shout out this week? So ready. This might be my favorite part of these now. So go, I'm ready. Yes, it's very fun. Please write in, everybody. We can, we'll, we've got tons of time. We can do more than one if we need to. Okay, so this is from Savannah Lachman, who now works at Kennesaw State, talking about her dear friend, Maggie Potter, who's an amazing part of the Residence Life team at Florida State. So Savannah said, I met Maggie in grad school and she's become my best friend ever since. There's an exclamation point there, Kate. So it's for real. Uh, through group projects, traveling for conferences and ultimately our first job search, having Maggie there was a lifesaver. She's incredible in the student affairs field, advocating for her students and passionate about higher ed policy and how it affects those she selflessly serves. But more importantly, Maggie is an incredible friend. She is loyal, steadfast, funny, and thoughtful. She's always down to listen 
or share a TikTok even from hundreds of miles away. I like the discrepancy between those two, listen or share a TikTok. Savannah concludes with, I'll always be thankful for grad school giving me best friend, Maggie. I'm not trying to brag, but I did get to work pretty closely with both of those wonderful women. And that's really it. It is a brag. I, I'm not even going to butt that. It's just, it's, it's a brag. I got to work with both of them and they're incredible. So shout out to both Maggie and Savannah. I really thought you were going to say something else. Like I really thought. Yeah. You know, crazy. well, I thought I should like be humble and be like, you know, but I'll try not to brag, but I'm just, I'm going to brag because they're both amazing. And I got to hang out with both of them at different points. Maggie was an intern in our office and was amazing. She did some incredible work for our on-campus food pantry. Savannah was one of the grads in our area. I just, yeah, big fans, big fans. Well, Kate is also grateful for best friend Maggie, it sounds like. I am. All right. So, so far on the podcast, we have discussed our philosophy and supervision and the onboarding process. And today we're going to talk through cultivating professional development. So, Miles, I'm going to start the first question with you. Um, how do you define professional development? Well, I suppose I would call it, I mean, if I was going to, you know, like Webster's it, I think my Webster's or Milesters in this case would be a process of continuous learning while in a job. Like that's how I would do it. In student affairs, I think that can take a lot of different forms. I think it can be structured learning while you're in a role, um, you know, like the process of professional de professionally developing is sort of the investment that's happening in your actual learning and the job that you have. I think it can be engagement and service to an institution, um, various committees, et cetera. Um, I think it can be engagement with a professional association, so having a formal role. I think it can be conference attendance, um, and there's probably many others that I've forgotten. Um, but I think the, the goal in professional development is really to get people the resources that they need to be able to thrive in the job that they have now and the job that they, jobs that they want to have in the future. Love that. Can I get a copy of, of, of Milesters? Is that like available at my local Barnes and Noble or? Cause I, I imagine it's chock full of some good words. I think it would be that word and sort of a, like a, a Hot Wheels car running around like a track on a loop. I think, um, I think that's what you would see in that dictionary, so. Yeah, well, yeah. I still would like a copy if I can get that. Um. How would you define professional development, Kate? Yeah, I think um, similar, similarly to you, I would say, I think at its core for me, it's about getting better and more confident. And maybe I would add more satisfied with our roles, with our jobs. I think there's like several outcomes that I um, believe professional development is intended for. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's about, I think the way you describe the like multitude of different ways that that can happen, I think speaks to like for different folks, there's different outcomes or different desires out of their professional development. I think for some people it is like really want to focus in on some developing very specific skills. I think for some people it's, you know, I, I want to feel more confident in what I'm attempting to do or trying to do. Um, and I think for some people it's like reigniting a flame of excitement and like passion for their jobs. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think sometimes we get a little hung up on like, 
professional development has to be like so skilled, like oriented. And it's like, we have to, you know, grow or, or um, develop these really specific skill sets for our job. But I think sometimes it can be like learning to navigate politics or learning how to have difficult conversations or learning about and just like gaining appreciation for a functional area that you're not working directly in. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's, that's a great way to, to think of it. I mean, I, what I would say is that some of this, you know, some of this question, I think is really grounded in the idea that most folks, when they talk about professional development, think about financial resources to support things like travel or certifications. And in terms of that, like reigniting piece, it definitely does not have to be those things. And that sort of, um, that sort of process of like continuous improvement can happen in other ways that don't require those financial resources. I just also think that it probably should be those things too. And I sure. think there are, you know, like a variety. I say that because I think oftentimes when there are budget conversations, financial professional development money is like one of the first things that goes on the table in terms of discussion. It's, it's sort of structured as if it is superfluous. Um, and, and certainly if you're comparing it to people's, you know, like salaries, critical functions of service to students, but I just, I just think that there is, and I think this is particularly true and this will circle back to sort of, you know, our, our, what I hope is every time we're talking about supervision as it relates to identity, I think that that like the, the possibility of being in community with others as a part of the reignition process in terms of the purpose and meaning of this work, particularly for folks with marginalized identities, when they're, you know, on, P, you know, when they are working at PWIs as a specific example, if you're talking about race, just as, just as one, you know, of the many facets of identity, um, you know, professional development provides the opportunity to be in community in really intentional and significant ways. And I think it can be a really critical function of helping folks you know, get back, you know, get back into it, conceptualize things differently, think about a problem differently. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I just, I think it really should be financial resources as well. Um, sometimes we do this, like professional development is this holistic thing is a way of sort of, you know, like smoke screening the fact that we're not providing financial resources. Um, and I, I just think it should be those things too. And I think that thinking of that as like a fairly easy cut um, is a mistake. Yeah. I really appreciate you bringing up that identity piece because I hadn't honestly wasn't thinking that in, in sort of preparation for this, but, um, or maybe I should say I wasn't thinking about my own stuff in this. I was thinking more about supervision, but as you said that I reflected on a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to attend the Women's Leadership Institute. And, um, I think it like helped me really to reframe what I considered professional development. Cause I wouldn't say that I like walked away from that with like really, like hard new skills that I was going to utilize in my job or, um, you know, what I had tended to associate with professional development. Um, and it was, you know, my male supervisor that encouraged me to attend. And I think like him seeing me for, I was, you know, a relatively, um, new, like mid manager. I like had recently become a mom. I think like he was pretty aware of like that, the need for me to attend something like that in a way that would kind of help to, um, I don't know, inspire me, I think a little bit when I may have been in a bit of a, a rough patch of just like trying to manage life stuff. And I, I, reflecting back on that, I think he was like very attuned to that. And I think it was, um, 
it, I think it was pivotal for my like career that he like sent me to that and, and like acknowledged that and recognize that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Mm. So Kate, as a supervisor, why do you support professional development? I mean, we've talked about that a little bit in the definition, but like why, when you're thinking about it as like, you know, I, I think this is valuable for the folks that um, I work with. How do you, how do you think through that? Yeah, I think maybe related to what I just said. I mean, I think it, for me, it communicates to people that they're more than the tasks that they accomplish, that they like that you, they matter as people and that their growth and development is important. And even if, and again, in the example I just provided, like even if it wasn't a direct correlation to like my daily tasks, it was like investment in me as a person and um, recognizing like sort of my need to reconnect with the field. And I think as a supervisor, that's something I try to do is to make people feel um yeah, that they're more than just what they do day in and day out in the office. Um, I think though, even if you think about it, like in terms of productivity, I think professional development often does give people a way to sort of switch focus and to maybe like take their eyes off of like something that they're stuck in and then come back to it, like really rejuvenated and able possibly to do even more effective work. So um, I'm thinking too back to like our first conversation maybe not our first, maybe last week, they're running together and we've only done two. So that's sad. But um, when we talked a little bit about, maybe it was in the onboarding conversation and just like the idea of continually learning. I mean, I think that um, prioritizing professional development helps to acknowledge that we all have growing and learning to do. Um, and I think to be like kind of blunt, I don't want to work with someone who thinks that they already know it all and has nothing to gain from being pushed out of their comfort zone a little and trying to learn something new. So, yeah, I mean, I think that 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 newness is something that I think about in terms of this a lot. Like, I think that we if I think that it's very easy to make the argument that professional development is a key source for innovation on campus. Like, I think that that is a very easy argument to make. That is how people typically think about it. Um, But I think the two biggest inhibitors to actually making that be possible and the reason why innovation doesn't, you know, like I think that professional development is one of our best sort of solutions to a lack of innovative, you know, thinking. Um, it theoretically should be a way of sharing, you know, best practices and resources, um, kind of however, you know, however you're conceptualizing professional development. But I think the two biggest innovator, uh, biggest inhibitors to innovation are isolation and busyness. And I think professional development has the ability to like be like a balm to both of those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is a process of, you know, I would say that professional development is a source of innovation and a source of community. And both of those things are really, really critical, but they also are really key in getting folks to broaden their perspective outside of um, you know, outside of the day-to-day work and outside of this sort of treadmill of busy, busyness that folks get on where they may, you know, where it's, you know, we all have the idea that we're going to incorporate learning in our work, but then, you know, the email, the email, the email, the meeting, the meeting, the meeting, you know, um, those things just, you know, like I think of them as just sort of this like blob that assumes our ability to actually think outside of, outside of the box. Um, and I think professional development in the many forms that it comes in, it can be a really significant relationship that you made through a professional, you know, through like a role with a professional association. It can be a certification. It can be a connection that you made, um, you know, at a conference. It can just be the process of 
disorientation and reorientation you know sometimes just like going to someplace new is incredibly invigorating to your day-to-day life to you know your perspective on things um so yeah, you know, it's interesting. The, the question you asked, right, was why do we support professional development? And um, I think some of what you're saying there too is like that maybe it's it's more than support is, is our expectation as a supervisor. Like we, it's not just like, oh yeah, if you want to do this, I'm going to like provide the resources or provide the time. I think sometimes it means as a supervisor, um, like really pushing professional development. I mean, you know, like really, like those barriers that you talked about, like, yeah, I think busyness is totally a barrier to innovation. It's a barrier to people feeling like they can engage in, you know, in professional development. It becomes this thing that's like professional development often I think is like on the back burner. And it's like, well, if I have time for that, if like, if I could tell you the number of articles I have like saved in a file on my desktop that are like, read these, it's, I mean, it's like just stupid at this point. I'm like, why do I even keep putting stuff in there? Cause I'm not making time for it. Um, and I think that has to be like intrinsically, like, internally motivated. Um, but I do think as supervisors, we have a responsibility too to like, not just, not just support it when it comes up, not just say like, yeah, I'll let you do that. Or I'm going to give you time to do that. Or I'm going to give you resources to do that, but to be like regularly checking in on it to make sure that, um, you're encouraging professional development, not just, um, supporting it when it comes along. I think sometimes people need that push a little. Well, and I think a lot of that comes to sort of what incentives do we put in place for that? Right, like, so let's use your read this, you know, like let's use your read this folder as an example. You know, like it's a lot harder if you think about like, I'm gonna read this and then it's like, I may learn something from it, me personally, but I'm not in sort of a mutualistic learning space where I'm gonna be able to sort of like externally process that with some people. We got a lot of external processors in student affairs, myself included. And so, you know, there's not that sort of, you know, sometimes that deadline of doing that with someone I think is really critical, but then there's also a, so there's this new idea. I have brought this to the table. I'm actively engaged in this learning process, this process of continuous improvement, but then it's not actually going to be heard for a variety of reasons on campus. We're not putting incentives in place for good ideas, for new ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I think that that's, you know, I think that as we're thinking about supervisors and how we support or perhaps sort of mandate the professional development process, it's also saying that like there are a lot of incentive structures in place for good ideas, for discussion, for, to be in community around learning. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like for me, I'm always hesitant like to use the word mandate because you know, if it feels to people like just another thing that's on their plate and they're already overwhelmed, then yeah, a mandate feels like I'm just piling on. But I think it's very different in the way that you've just described it when it's, you know, part of the culture, when there is a tangible outcome, when there's tangible support beyond like the read this or do this webinar, but also like now what are we going to do as a community with that information? So thanks for that. So what's some non-traditional professional development experiences that you've seen be beneficial for a colleague? I mean, I think a thing that people sort of lose sight of is, I, you know, I think about professional development as this, like, it's another way of getting tools at your disposal. It's another way to build those, you know, I think, as I said earlier, the resources that folks need to thrive. And sometimes that's a kind of external perspective, but sometimes that's like a, uh, sometimes that is a kind of internal advocacy that gets people really connected to either, you know, perhaps a community that will help them thrive on campus 
or just a set of connections that may be significant. And so um, I have seen a former colleague very intentionally engage in campus opportunities, whether it's committees, I'm thinking of one colleague, former colleague in particular, think about committees that you know were specifically identity-based um, that ended up providing a lot of community opportunity, but then other committees that are just, you know, that are just affinity-based things or just a form of service to the institution that help people get out of the same, you know, get out, out of the same office, out of the same sort of way of thinking, expanding folks' perspective about what campus is and can be. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that committee service is a really significant form of professional development that can sometimes feel frustrating, but I'm, I'm more thinking about things that you're specifically interested in, that you want to volunteer for, um, and uh, that may not be, you know, specifically role related. It may just, you know, if we think about student, you know, it may be sort of on that third stool for student affairs as like real genuine service that you're putting back into the institution. Um, I, I don't know if people think about that as professional development, but I think it is a form of, of growing and gaining resources um, in your role. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think two things took out to me that you were saying. I mean, I think the importance of allowing professional development to be really like personally driven. So I think we just had this conversation about like mandating. And I think part of what makes me uncomfortable with that is like, I don't want to drive what people want or need from their professional development. Um, so I think that that emphasis on allowing people to like write, choose their own adventure. And that might mean, like you said, I think um, folks serving on committees across campus or doing things that to you might seem like that's not what I would pick for my professional development, but being supportive of it nonetheless. Um, and then I think too, something you, you said is I think when you allow people to engage in that way, especially in the example you just provided, like professional development then becomes like really mutually beneficial. Like it's benefiting the person that's doing that if they're finding community in that. And it's also a way for your department to be supporting other departments, right? Like I would argue that the person that, you're, that you were mentioning, that the departments that they helped to support were grateful and, and saw that as your department supporting them in, in what they were doing too, so. Cool. Well, we said that we're always gonna wrap up these sessions with a resource to share. Um, so I'm gonna start with mine if that's okay with you. Yes, please do, that sounds great. Awesome. Um, so my resource um, comes from the idea of I think what I've just I'm owning it. It's now going to be recorded. I'm I'm not always good about my own professional development. Not always great about prioritizing it as much as I um, think it's important and want to prioritize it for the folks that I work alongside. Um, but I think for me, like what has what has worked is really having a plan, right? Like writing it down, mapping it out. Um, and I think in doing that, I expect others to do that too. And I encourage the folks that I have the opportunity to work with to, to plan out their professional development. So, um, I've used various versions of sort of a professional development plan with my supervisees over the years. Um, and I think no matter what structure I've used, I wouldn't say that I found like a perfect structure. And I just don't think the structure really matters at the end of the day. Um, I think my colleagues have just appreciated the opportunity to be intentional and have appreciated my expectation that they don't let PD sit on the back burner for when they have time. It's something that um, I'm actively asking them to think about regularly and, and bringing back up in our one-on-ones and checking in on. Um, and I think when you have a plan, it's just easier to do that, right? It's 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 um, <laughs> it's more difficult for people to be like, yeah, I'm going to get to that, right? If you're if you've laid it out and you can say like, where are we with this? Where have you? What can I do to support you? Um, I have a colleague at Clemson who 
um, Amy Gamble, shout out to Amy Gamble, who works in um, residential learning here. Um, and she's a member of ATD, which is the Association for Talent Development. And I have taken a lot of great content from her and uh, a lot of great information from what is just publicly available on their website. Um, so that would be maybe another resource I would recommend is to check out their website. So Association for Talent Development, they have a lot of good um, PD plans. They've got all kinds of stuff on there for like teaching and learning stuff too. So great resource. Um, and shout out to Amy for, I think for her, I think she's a great example of professional development too, of like not maybe just looking at the like traditional associations that we all look at in student affairs, but finding like the niche that worked for her and, and where she saw the most benefit for her job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's a, you know, I think that that's an interesting question. I am going to share a, a suggestion. It's not a resource. I apologize to everybody. I'll bring something scholarly next time. Um, but I think that a thing that folks tend to misunderstand is that the standard for service and professional associations is, is low. It is not a big commitment. And you just need to follow through on basic things and you'll do not only an immense service for, for the profession, you're gonna learn a ton, you're gonna get connected to really significant resources, but then you're also going to make meaningful relationships. So I think consider a formal role. Think about it as like, I, I legitimately mean, you can probably put an hour a week into most of those roles. People estimate those as much higher than they are. If you do an hour a week and you actually do that, consider that formal role and it'll pay off. Associations are pretty much all like continuously seeking support. There is not a high barrier of entry for these things. Um, and I think consider that and it's probably going to pay off in a really significant way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like all of this content and every conversation is directly applicable to my role and we're bringing these skills back and it's going to be, but it is going to expand your perspective, your horizons, who you know, you'll think more about, you know, just sort of this sort of, um, you know, like spontaneous innovation that comes from a relationship with somebody else is going to be really grounded there. So. I would also argue a pro tip or um, additional tip. This one's um, free of charge for the listeners. I find yourself a friend um, that will push you. <laughs> um, that person in my life is on this call, Masteret. Um, but find someone who will encourage you to step out and try things that feel scary, like making a podcast or um, interviewing your favorite leadership scholar for other podcasts. Um, but find someone who will tell you to do it and then sort of like not let you not do it because I think sometimes some of us need that. So thanks for being that person for me, Miles. Hey, uh, Kate, thanks for stepping out there and for all of your uh, immense contributions. And also thanks to everybody for joining us for To Practice presented by SACSA. Uh, you can get more information about SACSA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs on various social media outlets, including facebook.com backslash SACSA fan page, uh, on Twitter at SACSA tweets, on Instagram, SACSAgrams. And please sign up for the SACSA alert, which is a great monthly newsletter of information. Kate, thanks. Thank you.